this is one where it's like it can be doing nothing for four days and then just astronomically take off on their algorithm and you can have an obscene result in a really short amount of time. The volatility on that platform is wild, but you've got to really be up for it to be in that game. So let's say we pick a platform and we get going. What would be the trigger point to know that we should be adding in a platform? I would offer an opinion here that I think is the most helpful and also the most profitable way to do it. If someone has a large enough budget where they can go on multiple platforms, right? I think the biggest mistake they can do is trying to do it all at once right away. This is James Schramko. James Schramko here. Welcome to episode 1050 of my podcast. Today, we're talking about advertising and we're talking about advertising across multiple channels. Of course, I brought along Charlie Vala, who runs ValaMedia.com to talk about that. Hello, Charlie. Hey, James. Thanks for having me on the show. So you're running a lot of ads these days. Just a touch, just a little bit. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm up with your socials, um, following your social media, and I see some of the screenshots of the results you get. I, rather than just talk about it, I love that you've got endless proof that this is happening. You've got some amazing clients on board, which is a good testimony to the results you're getting. But I've got a couple of questions when it comes to advertising because I don't, I'm not a big-time advertiser these days, so I'd rather just ask someone who is and get straight to the heart of the matter. The first question that comes up a lot is which platform should I start on? Let's forget for a second that we might be on multiple platforms, but we need to start somewhere. How do we choose the right advertising platform? I love this as a question. I really do. And numerously this month, I would say I've done, I'm just trying to, uh, looking at my calendar over here. I think I've done at least like 10 ad reviews this month. And we're only at the 23rd. There's time for more. And when I come into an ad account, I go through a a very important structure, right? I want to do the same review in the same order because I can get excited by what I find in account and I just go diving through things. So I like to keep some structure. And like, this is one of the pinnacle questions I ask first is like, how did you end up on this platform and why? Because more often than not, I found that people aren't asking the important question of, well, where are your target clients and how do they behave? And they're more like, oh, I saw someone with some crazy results posting things on social, not naming anyone. And I got excited and I did that thing. And now I'm trying to make it work. And the unfortunate thing, and this is the worst one, right? Is like, if you started running and we'll just use an example here, uh, Instagram ads, because you thought that was the thing and everyone else is doing it. If it flat out didn't work, you just stop, right? You just go, cool. This one isn't for me. I'm not going to do this. But if you get some average results, right? Maybe you get a couple of clients or a couple of leads. You might persist that without ever considering that, Hey, you should have been over on YouTube, Like YouTube was the better option for you. But on the awareness of like what everyone else is doing, you kind of got allured down to a path. So I really like to think about this. And I was very, very fortunate that I got to learn from some really great copywriters out there like Bond Helbert, who I believe, you know, and other people that really instilled in that you've got to observe the market and how they behave. Like how you win at this is like in simple terms, like you want to fish where the fish are. Like it's a easy in concept, but I suppose hard to execute at times in the world of advertising. Well, it's a famous Gary Halbert quote that if he could only have one thing, if he had a hamburger stall, it would be a starving crowd. It's easy to sell to a starving crowd. And Bond, what a legend. He was actually one of the very, very early podcasts on my show where we were in San Diego at John Carlton's event and we recorded the video and we, we talked about his dad and growing up in that environment. An absolute legend. 
So it sounds like people could be skewed by what they've seen on, on social media or maybe they've heard in a mastermind or in some other forum or Facebook group or perhaps the platform they are consuming on. It may not necessarily be that they are their best customer. Hugely so. I, I confess to this, right? I don't buy things from email. I don't. I don't know why. I just don't. So for uh, years in my journey, I thought email didn't work. I'm like, well, I wouldn't buy it. And um, I know, James, email marketing, it's a scam, right? It doesn't work. Man, I totally buy stuff from email. I get Patagonia or a surfboard shapers got a board in stock or the protein powder companies got a 30% off site-wide. I'm definitely buying. I'm going to click and buy. I'm helping those email marketers with their return on investment for sure. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of email marketing. And it's really my go-to trick when I start working with someone. If they don't have a nine-word email, then it's happy days because they're going to be making sales instantly. Yeah, and I've got the reverse bias, right? I'm watching clients in our sales land clients from ads all the time. Like my go-to is going to be ads in that way because I've seen it work so well. So it's how I consume. It's what it works with people who work. Imagine if you put the two together. Just an idea. It might be the breakthrough revolution, right? Let, let me go a little bit deeper on what you've asked the question here because I think people can get lost in this a little bit at times. So I'll make some recommendations. It's like, if you can search for what you do, then it's a good chance that the whole Google suite, whether that's YouTube or Google itself, is likely the place you should start. It's the highest level of intent. So, you know, if someone's looking for a plumber, you know, they go to their phone, they put into Google, they go plumber near me. Like that's a really good way of thinking about like how a customer would behave and like the right place to be with that. If you're someone that's hunting for specific job titles, so again, I worked with someone who only worked with certain types of loyalty roles. So she helps people build the loyalty program in their organization. The only place we could find the person in charge of that was LinkedIn, right? So LinkedIn ads can be fantastic for people that are searching for a certain job role. But I will throw a caution on that one. That is the most expensive platform for advertising. So you've got to really dial in on who you're trying to reach and have a, a very appropriate offer to do well there. And then if you don't fit either of those two, well, now you're fitting into what we call distractionary, where it's like people don't necessarily have the intent, but you can kind of convince them if they're, they're up for it, right? So at times people, and I'll just use this, is I don't perceive that people search for like business coaching on Google. That's not something that's commonly done. There might be a bit of it, but it's like it's not commonly done. But influencer videos on Facebook, for example, or Meta, definitely where we see that come down. Now, for anyone that's unsure even further, I would just recommend they spend time on the platforms and do a bit of a look around in like how others are behaving. Now, why copying others isn't necessarily a great way to go about it. It can certainly be a great place to start your research and get a bit of a feel. But of course, there's people like me out in the world who do this for a living, like maybe reach out and ask before you just model one of your friends. Like just have an audit and then you match up, hey, based on the type of product or service you have based on your footprint on these platforms or your size of your database or what you've already tried or what's converting for you based on your analytics, here's where we think is the best place to start. Oh, completely. And if you do work with someone like me, like I've got a ton of experience here. So like someone comes to me that let's say they're a business coach, the playbook of what I want to roll out for them is already like, oh, I know where I want to go because I've done it before. Where if you don't have that experience or working with someone who's done that, that's a more dangerous question to ask, right? I get excited when someone comes to me and they have all the perfect storm situation of everything that I know that I've seen happen multiple times before and I know every single step to go for and it just reduces the length of the journey. It reduces the cost and frustration of trying to figure out for yourself. And I still say 
To this day, the thing that slowed my growth down when I started online was I wasn't fast enough to invest in other people's programs or software, etc. I tried to learn how instead of going to who, to quote Dean Jackson. So let's say we pick a platform and we get going. What would be the trigger point to know that we should be adding in a platform? Because I know we might have the there could be opportunity costs missed by not going on another platform, but also we're going to have to add in distractions. Maybe we need to adjust the campaigns for a different platform. And maybe it's a whole new set of experiences. We have to go through that learning curve again. What would be the indicators that it's time to add a platform? This is something I rub up against continually. In some of the budgets we run with clients, like I mentioned before this call, we've got a client right now that uh, they spend on average $500,000 a month US on ads. So for them, they've got a lot of options, right? That's a lot of ad spend to throw around. And the question that becomes, well, do we go all in on one platform or is that too risky? Do we diversify to another platform? Should we be all on all the platforms? And I could see the reasoning why a lot of those different ones would make sense. But I would offer an opinion here that I think is the most helpful and also the most profitable way to do it. If someone has a large enough budget where they can go on multiple platforms, right? I think the biggest mistake they can do is trying to do it all at once right away. My finding is in every account, there is a core platform that they're the most suited for and their step number one should be like maxing that out, like absolutely maxing that out. Now, I would make a generalized statement that this isn't true for all businesses, but if you're spending less than $50,000 a month on ads, it's very unlikely you are maxing out the potential of your core platform, right? So people will come to me and say, well, Charlie, you don't understand. I'm terrified of meta. Like they shut down my account. I've been blocked before. I don't like the risk, right? I want to be on multiple platforms so I don't have that risk. And I can completely understand that, but I I would make the comment here that it's like, if you're advertising in a way on these platforms where that is your issue, you're not using that platform correctly. There's something in the way you're marketing right now that needs to be adjusted. If you're running on any of the platforms, because they all have their policies and ways of running things, what is more likely to occur there is that you need to get compliant. You need to work with an agency that actually has contacts at these platforms. So for example, if someone wants to come on board and work with us and they want to do, let's say TikTok in this example here, like we have a rep, like we have someone we can contact and say, Hey, look, this is the client. Um, I do a lot of stuff in the finance space, which is very heavily regulated and compliant. If we've got an idea for a campaign or a certain type of creative, we want to run it by them first. So we're not having those risks of, is my account going to get shut down? Are we going to be constantly worried about violations and things that would happen? And again, I just reiterate that is like, I would hate to run a business where the stress and angst of, am I going to get blocked and banned is how we're approaching marketing. Like if you're in that type of business, you really need to be considering it. Well, is there a way to adjust my offer? Should we be doing something differently here with the niche so that we can get a sale and then upsell them into something that will serve them, of course, and is good for them but maybe wasn't the appropriate thing to run on the platform itself, which does happen from time to time. I know a whole bunch of businesses where they spend a lot on compliance lawyers and their main MO every day is to make sure they're compliant. It's kind of like they know their products are a little bit on the edge, a little bit too bizoppy or promise too much. And it's all about playing defense with the compliance lawyer to guard against the FTC, which has come after their mates and taken them down for millions of dollars. I was reading a ruling the other day for a well-known online marketer that I'd known about for a year, but it finally came and it's been published. I won't name it, but the FTC ruling is damning in terms of their practice, making up 
testimonials pretending their products work, that they have got data on people's success when in fact they didn't ever measure it at all. It's actually blood-boilingly bad in terms of human integrity and that these people are still functioning now and pretending like nothing happened is even more astounding. It's astounding. So let's say if we don't want to play defense, I guess there's a couple of other factors that I would say to that person who's making a $50,000 investment in ads and concerned that it could go. Maybe it's like the speeding ticket, right? Maybe, maybe they make an extra 50000 but if they do fall over a year down the track, they pulled in an extra six hundred grand in the meantime, and it's worth the risk. And maybe they're building an email database or something that even if it does go away, they've got a secondary way to kick off or, or reignite some sales into other channels. And maybe they'll grow faster with their revenue and return on investment that they can reinvest in that second platform at the trigger point, which would be what? If it's not 50,000, is there a number you look for? Is it a number-based thing or is it an industry-based thing? Well, geographics is the big one. Right. So we've got some clients in Australia and it's like their budgets are unlimited, but the maximum they can spend is 150 grand a month. Yeah. Which is still a big number, but you've got to recognize the size of Australia. There's only so many people within that. Now, that same type of client, we have another one that's in the US. Now, they have the potential to spend a million dollars a month if they wanted to. So I think geographics and market size become a really important part of that. So I suppose bringing this back to like we consider the client here, if you're maxing out, let's say, Meta in Australia right now, and you're trying to spend more and you're hitting that cap, that's your time to jump onto YouTube or TikTok or one of the other places. Like you've reached your threshold where it starts to make sense on let's play on the other platforms. But if you're in the US and you've got a much bigger opportunity, well, then you're going to be looking for like, where's the best return on ad spend? How can I be most effective with it? And it may or may not be being more all in on one platform, or it may or may not be being a little bit more diversified. So I think that's a really important way to do it. Uh, To the point of what you said a little bit earlier, though, is I think many people have an expectation with advertising that it's going to be really consistent. Right, so I'm going to spend $100 a day. It's going to get five leads a day. They're all going to be the same quality and that's just how it's going to work. And when the platform doesn't meet that expectation, like they start to panic and feel like they should be doing more things or different things. But I mean, as the time of recording this, we are near Black Friday and Cyber Monday. There is a ton of different offers out in the marketplace that are very different to other times of years. I don't have the expectation that advertising accounts are going to run the same while everyone's trying to do these promotional offers. But sometimes people do have those types of expectations and they create like an almost an anxiety around it. Now, for every client we have uh, that does Facebook ads, they're like, this is how it works. Every month, one week of the month, things are going to be really good. You're going to be getting results that you're like, I just want every week to be like this. Two weeks of the month, it's going to be okay. Right. And then one week of the month, you're going to be like, Facebook doesn't work. We should do something else. Right. It's like, that's just the nature of it. But how well you do in that one good week makes the whole rest of it worth it. And if you're thinking of it that way and how, that's how it should work, well, then it will meet those expectations. But if you're trying to get the level of consistency where like every day is the same, you're going to have a really hard time, right? It's, I think you're going to set yourself up to be on that emotional roller coaster. Now, that is something that is very unique to um, Meta in that example, where if I was to talk about TikTok, this is one where it's like it can be doing nothing for four days and then just astronomically take off on their algorithm and you can have an obscene result in a really short amount of time. The volatility on that platform is wild, but you've got to really be up for it to be in that game where 
even to set the expectation, Google's a bit more consistent. I will say it's less volatile than the other ones, but that type of nuance to make a difference in like how you want to play on these platforms. Look, I even see that in organic. I had a video that didn't take off for a day and I was concerned about it. And then it racked up a couple of thousand views the next day because a thumbnail split test switched the thumbnail, I think. And then it just took off because the algorithm will start exposing it. And I'm sure there's plenty of algorithms with paid. But if you are risk averse, maybe paid traffic is something you have to reframe in your mind. When you take risks, often you can expose yourself to more leveraged upside. You can have very low risk, but very low upside, very low leverage. You take more risk, then you can leverage that upside. You're exposing yourself to more surface area for getting luck. And if there was ever a time to have a professional at your side helping you, that's during a volatile period or when there's a lot of chop and change between the the platforms and the way they operate, you need an operator in there who actually is hands-on, understands it and has the contacts. It's not something I think someone does by themselves as easily. That's why even if you want to do it yourself, I believe you should be getting educated from an educator who's looking over your shoulder. It's not something you do at home by yourself. Definitely not anymore. I would say when I first started, when advertising was so cheap, you could get away with not being great at it and still get a reasonable result. (laughs) The bar has just risen year on year. And I think it's getting harder and harder. Man, when I was running AdWords in the beginning, I was bidding on the keyword Mercedes-Benz. We're talking about 2006. God, it would have been like one or two cents a click at that time. It was cheap. It was a couple, maybe 80 cents or a dollar. There was even a period where you could buy AdWords to send to your site and AdSense would pay you more. So it was an arbitrage situation. Yeah, I've seen it all. And, you know, we've had numerous conversations about this. A couple of main points to take out of this. It was kind of a little Easter egg hidden there, but I've always been saying if you can go .com US dollar, it's such a more available market. So if you are an Australian business and you could sell overseas, think about doing that because we're generally only 2% of the market for anything maybe 8 or 10% sometimes, but there's such a big market out there available to you. And the other thing is it's okay to take calculated risks with an educated service provider who's going to point you to the gold. And then, you know, you've got to be okay with the fact that it will average out. Probably a lot like eating in a diet. And routine, whilst it sets you free, if it's too regimented and too consistent and you're too used to set standards, it actually makes you sloppy and lazy and weak. It's like when I go to the the gym, which I'm doing after this recording, my instructor prefers that I use barbells and dumbbells because he doesn't like the machines as much. The machines are very, very precise and predictable and they focus on, on one muscle very well, but they don't provide any help with the support muscles or getting used to maneuvering that weight so when you use the barbells you have to enlist a lot of other supporting muscles to help stabilize and he does stuff like he makes us do the weak arm first and then the strong arm so that we're never doing the strong arm too much over the weak arm and we end up getting more symmetrical muscles but what i'm saying is we should celebrate a little bit of inconsistency celebrate a little bit of unknown because that is the moat that is keeping your competitor away from your castle. That is the point where people drown or get eaten by the dragon in the moat, right? Because it's too hard. So every time it's difficult or risky, we should say, yes, 
bring it on. I'm ready. I've got an expert. I've got a suit of armor and the best sword in the game. Let's go. I'm ready to battle. That's a great example there, James. And like, often I wonder if one of the biggest values I provide is just a sense of normal. Like if you haven't had a big ads account in your business before and like suddenly you're spending, you know, big amounts of money every month, you want some certainty around, well, is this normal? Like that in itself is huge. And like the reassurance we can provide in that moment is really important. So I think that there is something in that as well as the educational component, like your trainer. Like he's mentioning things now where it's like, well, it's normal to have one arm stronger than the other. And this is how we mitigate it. Right? even that little thing can make the difference in you being able to get towards that result. I 100% would not train as hard or as effectively if I tried to do it myself. If I read an Arnold Schwarzenegger book, went to the gym, I'm going to be checking Instagram on my phone or something. I'm, I'm going to get to a few reps in and then I'm going to think, oh, I'll just I'll back off now. I wouldn't go to them because when I have an expert guiding me, knowing where I'm supposed to be, knowing exactly what weights to start with and what things to do, it makes it more interesting. It makes it more accountable and we get the way better results. Like for all the fitness dorks out there like me, <laughs> on my DEXA scan, I traded 2.1 kilograms of fat for 2.1 kilograms of lean muscle in just three months because I, and doing that two days a week of training. That was the only change. And it was because I had expert guidance and help. So I'm, I'm huge on that. So you would actually say to your client, it's time to try another platform. Yeah, absolutely. And there's even little, again, like I mentioned one thing about just the setting the expectations of how platforms will behave, right? The volatility. Not a lot of people are aware of that. But even when I would make a recommendation, and you mentioned one before, we've recently done this where we have someone who's got a really successful business in Australia. They've grown it to this point, but there's just no more market share for them to go after. And then I made the recommendation of it's time to take this to the US then. Like, let's open this up. The idea and how you do that, I think, is a really important thing to consider. Just like if you were going to go to another platform as well, and I'll set some expectations because I dare say people that are into this would be helpful to them. If you're running your campaigns well in Australia or even well in the US and you're looking to take on another country, one of the expectations I would put out there right away is that your ads won't behave the same. I find overwhelmingly the stigmas uh, and stereotypes we've come up with are true. So like in the US, there is definitely more confidence and they love what I would call a more hypey offer. And they celebrate success. They want people to be successful. Completely. And I love it, to be honest. (laughs) Where if I ran some of that offer in Australia, there is a more skeptical mind around it. So you would want to adjust how you advertise in these places. You wouldn't want to just duplicate what you're doing and run it in another country. It's a bad idea. And much the same where it's like, if you've got some really successful things working on Meta in this example, and you just try and take that across to YouTube or vice versa. You've got some things that are working for you on YouTube and you try and take it across to Meta. It is very rare and to the point where I haven't seen it, where that just works. And straight up, we know the reason why is because people scrolling through a newsfeed are at a very different level of awareness and are behaving differently than people that have just searched for something on YouTube or are watching a certain type of video that you're trying to relate to. So in this whole notion of going, well, when is it time to go multi-platform, you also really need to think about, well, are you prepared to do the type of work which would be like starting again? It's not like we're at the gym and to use your example, maybe we're already doing two workouts a week and we want to go to three. This is like, no, 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 we're going to start running marathons as well, going to the gym. Like it's a different sport we're adding into this. Like it's a completely different set of rules that would behave differently here. So 
when going multi-platform, that is often the thing that gets left out is just how different the experiences are on these things and how wrong-footed you can go by just carrying across too much bias. On that, maybe they're doing harm by carrying across old SOPs. I've encountered this many times because I've been going for a long time. Things that work before fade and don't work even with organic or podcasting. We had to change the way we do show notes. I'm pruning my site with hundreds of pages that Google no longer bothers to send traffic to. I need to change the way that I do short social posts, short videos, podcasts displayed in YouTube, etc. Should some people be redirecting their energy that they've been putting elsewhere into these areas where they've been flying blind before? I'll put that into two parts, right? If, if you're starting out with ads and you have or haven't really cracked it yet, okay, all your effort and energy should be going to winning on one platform. That is where it is. But once you're winning on a platform really well, what I would encourage is you want to take 10% of your spend and allocate that to innovating. And whether that's innovating on the within that platform, so maybe you've cracked a, I'm going to grow a Facebook group and convert from a Facebook group. And now I want to start taking 10% of what I do and, and run a VSL strategy. Or that might be that you've maxed out a platform and you're going, well, I want to take 10% and I want to start working out how to do this YouTube stuff or AdWords stuff. I think that's a really powerful frame because as things change, you don't want to be the one that gets caught out, right? And, and even to this point, a year ago, the number one strategy I was running for coaches and consultants was a Facebook group strategy, maybe 18 months now, but we were driving traffic to get people to join a group, to get some resources, to see some things. A setting team would engage and they would book calls and make sales from there. Algorithms have changed in the groups. There's people not seeing as many posts in groups as the moment as they once were. I know that's not universally true, but as a generic thing where it's like, actually we've shifted much more of our effort and energy to VSLs and lead magnets this year. VSLs and lead magnets have been absolute winners for us this year versus last year in our Facebook group. But if I wasn't testing some of this stuff or playing with it, when those algorithmic changes happen, you can end up with, um, just I call it a void. It's a time in an account where you don't have anything to go to or apply ad spent, where you're just kind of like spraying and praying. <laughs> that would be that would be the permanent situation for a lot of agencies. Uh, well, based on the accounts I review, yes. Doing stuff that <laughs> used to work. Like, I mean, gosh, I spoke to you as, as recently as today on what I'm changing in my business because I recognize that if you don't pay attention to your metrics or whatever, things can just start falling away. But you have to have the new vine to jump to. If you're Tarzan and you want to get to the other end of the jungle, you've got to keep swinging. If you keep holding onto that same vine, it'll slowly stop and then you're just there. It's only down to the jungle floor now with snakes and spiders and tigers and lions, right? <laughs> you've got to keep swinging. And that's why it's always worth thinking about or researching what's working well. I noticed a shift, for example, in the descriptions on YouTube videos have gone from a lot of links off site to just linking to a YouTube VSL. Simple example, but a small change that could make a vast difference to somebody's conversion rates. I incur wholeheartedly here. But I think the better question is like the time to do that is when you've got something working. Of course. It's not to be when things stop. And this is in most circumstances, when someone reaches out to me to do a review, it's because they were relying on a strategy that worked and it stopped working and they don't know what to do next. So they were all set up to make they were a one-trick pony in some way. They've started trying to throw other things at the fence. It hasn't worked and they're like, we need to get more strategic in how we actually do paid. And just like I think what just having one funnel is a mistake, 
that being prepared to what to go to next can be the difference, especially if you rely on a certain amount of leads or sales per month for your organization to run. Like I find in many cases that if some of the clients you're working to, it's like if we were running a strategy and it stopped working and then we were to take, you know, three or four weeks to come up with a new strategy and run something else, that would be hugely detrimental to their business. Hugely, that they probably couldn't survive that jump. So mitigations need to be thought about and put in place. Do you find it impacts the way that things are communicated and the levels of intensity and emotion and logic get minced up a bit when someone's under that under pressure, under the pump, coming at you with a hot mess? I, I've kind of found no one ever comes up with their best next campaign when the pressure's on. And that's my team as well, right? As Or any team out there is like, when things are working is often when we can be the most creative because the pressure hasn't arisen. So I would imbue that that's a just general good business advice is having things to go to before we're in that circumstance. And you might get people push back and say pressure makes uh, may create diamonds, but I also see a lot of train wrecks. I think I do my best work when my aura ring has given me a good readiness score. You know, when I've had a good sleep, I've been active, I feel on top of the world. Like if I drink some water have a coffee, I have a clear schedule, I can just do the most powerful work. I don't ever want to go back to the, that um, unrested, stressed out state that I think I spent a good almost uh, a decade and a half in and I didn't know it when, you don't know it when you're in it. It's very hard to see the label of the jar when you're in it. But when I experience proper rest, sleep and security and comfort that comes with having recurring income and a correct business model and a small low pressure team and offers that actually work and fantastic clients to work with and partners, you don't go back to it. So what I'm hearing is just a quick recap. We need to pick the right platform to start on, that people tend to jump to the second platform too early. Definitely. That if you do jump to the next platform, you have to be prepared to adjust your campaign for the different audience type and maybe some different resources that your numbers and metrics will be different because we're in a, playing a different game now. It's gone from checkers to chess or snakes and ladders, right? So different rules apply. That we should allocate a portion of our budget for R&D, research and development. That when you are dealing with the platforms, it's very helpful to have someone who's guiding you through that platform and has contacts at the platform and potentially has experienced fantastic results with something in a similar category or can demonstrate long-term success with the things that they've actually been doing. And probably this is a bonus thing we didn't cover, but it's pretty obvious. You love this, don't you, Charlie? You just love it. So addicted. My, um, <laughs> my lovely wife um, said it's like it's bordering on obsession at this point. Well, I like your obsessions. I like to ride your obsessions. You posted a picture of some good coffee in Melbourne there from Maker Coffee. Absolutely. Spot on choice. So I ordered some to be shipped to my door and it arrived and I put it in my machine and experienced it yesterday. I didn't tell Tracy and she, she tried it. She's like, well, this is nice. So again, big tick in the Charlie box. How do we get in touch with you if we want to have a, an audit or for you just to have a comment about how things are going, even if we are going well? Sounds like that would be the best time to contact you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm easy to find on socials. If anyone just wants to shoot me a direct message, just search Charlie Valor on Facebook or Instagram or one of them, I'm sure you'll come across me. But if anyone actually wants a bit more of an in-depth review, we've got valormedia.com slash review. Um, I will ask you some questions about what you're doing and then you'll get to ideally speak with me and we'll go through how some winning plays could be or maybe even what platform you should be on or thinking about scaling in that way. 
Love it. And Vala spelt V-A-L-H-E-R, if you're listening to this on audio. Charlie, thank you so much. Always such a pleasure. And I learn a lot from our episodes and uh, I'm excited for you and your clients. Keep up the great work. Thanks, James. There we go. Episode 1050. We've been talking about advertising across multiple platforms with Charlie Vella, valamedia.com. Catch you on the next one. This is James Schramko. 